calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. I make it cute, we make good food, and cocktails too, I'm here for you, to make it cute, yeah I make it cute, for me and you. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Make It Cute, where we make all things cute, bake it cute, and shake it cute. I I'm feeling really inspired today, and before I kind of get into the meat of this episode, I would love to share with all of you my process for how I actually decide what I'm going to record every week. I think it would be kind of cool to do a little bit of a behind the scenes before we kind of get into the main content. I will allude to what the topic of today is, and that is going to be all of my best hosting tips. So like I said, I'm feeling really inspired by this because I myself am actually hosting a small gathering um, in the upcoming weeks, and this is actually the process that I'm going for to prep and get ready and to just make sure I don't go insane and pull all my hair out. But whenever I'm picking an episode every week, I find my inspiration for my life. For example, the cleaning episode I did a couple weeks ago, that was because I ended up just going on a big purge of things and just actually cleaning up and deep cleaning. And that's where I find my inspiration. I find my inspiration for each episode from a different part of my life all the time. The Beyonce episode, it was her birthday. There's always kind of like a reason behind the episode, and I'm usually deeply inspired by what's going on in my life. So if you're listening to this, I'm so happy that you're here because I get to share a little bit of piece of myself with all of you, and that makes me so absolutely happy. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Let's get into what you came for. As much as you like hearing the process, I would like to tell you about all my best hosting tips. I've hosted parties from five people to 200 people. All across the board, my parties always have some common denominator, and that is planning. And I want to tell you about how I plan and get organized and just give you some of the tips that I use whenever I'm planning an event. 
the recipe and cocktail this episode will be actually inspired by food and drink that I'm planning on serving at this upcoming gathering that I mentioned that I'm having. So you get a sneak peek at something that my guests aren't even going to see yet. And I'm so excited to share that with all of you. So I want to talk about my first tip for hosting the best event, whether it's a brunch or a lunch or a movie night or a dinner party. My first step is getting organized and sending out the invites. I think that's a step that everyone always overlooks. I mean, of course, you need to plan the theme. You need to figure out exactly who you want to go. And that works hand in hand with planning the invites um, and sending them out. But one thing that you really want to do is set the tone for the party early. I like setting the tone by making sure that Every step of the way, anything that my guests are interacting with that has to do with the event, that it is up to my standard, whether it is in line with the theme or just actually just visually stunning, I try to make sure that every step of the way looks good. So one way that I do that is by my invitations. I use a site called Canva. You can use whatever type of invitation maker you use, but I like Canva because I can use it on my computer. I can use it on my phone. This isn't sponsored. This is all of my own opinion. So any products or services that I mentioned that I use, it is completely my own opinion for the record. But I really like using something that's easy to design and that's customizable. I sent out my invites using um, Canva, like I mentioned, and they are beautiful. They are fall themed. There was pictures of sweaters and pumpkin patches and corn mazes really set the theme for this event. And I'm so proud of them. But also another thing that I do to get organized is I also have a spreadsheet that I have and I have a copy and I have a copy that I send to my guest. My spreadsheet doubles as the RSVP. RSVPing whenever you're hosting an event is always the hardest thing to do because one, you want to know how much you need to buy for the amount of guests that you have. If people don't RSVP until the last moment, that messes up your numbers. That messes up other people's numbers if it's a potluck. It just doesn't work out well for anyone. So I like having a spreadsheet that all my guests have access to. So one, you can see exactly who's coming. I never get any of those, oh, who's going to be their text? Um, also, if you text me that, you probably shouldn't be coming anyways if you're not there to have a good time. Regardless, I have a spreadsheet that every one of my guests can see. And for example, this upcoming event I'm doing is a potluck. So on that spreadsheet, I have a name column, I have a RSVP column, and I also have a dish column for them to outline the dish that they will be bringing and sharing with all of us. I think that was all I really needed. And then I have a bunch of fall fun pictures around and maybe a little bit of a highlight of what we might be doing. And that was it. And it was so simple. Another thing that I use is Google Forms. I love Google Forms. It is so great. Another way to track your RSVPs, you can collect names, you can collect emails, you can track down who hasn't responded to you. Also, I used it for this particular event to figure out the alcohol preference for my guests. So another thing that I'll mention later on is when you're buying, you want to make sure that you're buying enough for the guests, but you also want to make sure that you're buying to fit the needs of your guests. For example, I put out this survey talking about the alcohol preference and I had zero votes for white wine or for beer. So 
I know I don't have to waste my time buying white wine or beer. I ended up buying white wine, but that's for the cocktail that is coming later. Regardless, you want to know your guest and you want to have a plan and have an organized plan and a way of tracking and accountability for yourself. So whenever you get into your planning process of what you're going to make and who you're going to invite, you know exactly where to go and you have that exact reference. Another thing in the planning process and my second tip is cleaning at least three days before a lot of times we leave our cleaning for the day of the event we're like okay we want this to be the cleanest you've ever seen it we want everything to be perfect i think that you should spot clean on the day of your event yes pick up any little areas that just come from you living but your main deep cleaning start doing that three days ahead of time because then you have three whole days to figure out what areas you want to deep clean whether it's your windowsills or your hvac unit or your unused surfaces or the screen of your tv because it's dusty you have time to figure that out but also whenever you're doing that you may find inspiration for something else For example, I started cleaning last week just because I have some projects going on in my apartment leading up to the event, and I ended up getting inspired, moving some things around. I'm very happy with the setup now. But you never really know what you're going to find if you do that deep clean ahead of time. You can find that you had something that you were looking for or even find something that you weren't looking for that you could use. I think that it's never a bad idea to start your deep cleaning ahead of time because on the day of the event, you want to be focusing solely on the event, whether it's on the prep for the food or readying your guest or readying yourself. I think one of the things that I always find that happens to me is on the day of my event, I'm showering maybe five minutes before my guests get there because I spent all day doing other things and I didn't even get myself ready. Wouldn't it be nice to already be ready? And if your guests decide to come early, already be ready for them, a glass of wine in hand, appetizers out, hors d'oeuvres ready, crudite ready, whatever you're serving, and have yourself together. I think that's a luxury that we all can afford if we plan ahead. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. <laughs> 
another thing that I would like to mention in the planning phase, so this is going to get more into the recipe phase of the planning process, is whenever you're hosting an event, never make all the food yourself from scratch, especially if you're hosting a big event. I should probably backtrack a little bit. If you're hosting an intimate dinner party for maybe two or three you can make everything yourself, but if you're hosting for five or six, you can do a pre-store-bought crudite. You can do a little charcuterie board. It's super easy. doesn't take a lot of time. And then you can have your showstopper be your main dish, whether it's like a beef bourguignon or a really good soup or stew. I'm thinking really fall hearty foods. Um, beef bourguignon with uh, polenta would be delicious this time. Um, that is not the recipe for today, but you know, it's one of those things that you have to just plan ahead and plan to not want to cook everything. If you're hosting a big group, I have a buy 50% cook 50% rule. And this is my proper balance where I find that I'm feeling good because I'll make a big batch cocktail and I'll make a grazing board and I'll make maybe one or two hors d'oeuvres, but then also I'll buy a couple store-bought ones that I can heat up. Am I a sellout? Potentially. It is depending upon who you ask, but I am happy with that decision because I'm not slaving away over the stove all day before my guests arrive. I have a little bit of time that I gain back by myself and also, it's still going to be delicious. It's still going to be fun. And you still have that homemade centric portion of it as well, which is so important. Speaking of big batch cocktails and making things homemade, let's get into our cocktail. So the cocktail we're doing is a cocktail that I'll actually be serving at the event that I'm hosting um, in a couple of weeks. And it is a caramel apple sangria. There are so many different versions of a caramel apple sangria. Um, some use caramel vodka. Some use caramel syrup. Some make their own caramel off of sugar. Some use store-bought. There are so many different varieties of a caramel apple, caramel apple. I'm going to stick with caramel. That is my preferred way of saying it for the purpose of this podcast. Um, we do not linguistics shame on this podcast. So... However you want to say it, say it in your head. I'm going to use caramel out loud. But there's so many different variations, so many different apples you can use. I'm teaching you how to make this recipe for one. I'm going to be making this in a big batch in a couple of weeks, but I want you to have the ability to, if you want to give it a little try before you make it for a big group, you have that ability too. So what are we going to need? We're going to need some apple whiskey. I'm going to use crown apple. We're also going to need some Pinot Grigio. Just pick a good Pinot Grigio that you would drink. If it has notes of apple, even better. You're also going to need a sparkling apple cider. You're going to need caramel syrup. So I'm using just this Tarani sugar-free caramel syrup. Um, it's pretty good. And, you know, it's sugar-free, which is kind of nice because of all the other sugar that we're putting in this. And then also you're going to need an apple. So I'm using a Honeycrisp apple. I think Honeycrisp apples are the epitome of delicious apples, but you can use whatever type of apple you want. If you want a Gala apple, if you want a Granny Smith apple, if you want a Red Delicious apple, whatever type of apple you have, I'm not judging you. But Honeycrisp is the goat, and I am going to be using a Honeycrisp for mine. So the first thing we want to do is slice up our apple. So we're going to cut it so that we have apple chunks. 
I don't think I really need to direct you how to cut apple chunks. Just make sure that they're not too big. Make sure that they're about a medium size. I'm sure you can judge. I believe in you. I have faith in you. So cut up your apple chunks, set them aside. Then you want to get a glass and fill it with ice and add your apple chunks. I like adding my fruit in beforehand so then as my alcohol gets in there, it can start soaking up all that alcohol. So we're gonna add a half ounce of our sugar-free caramel syrup. We're gonna get that in because it's a little ooey, gooey, sticky. I want that to stick to the ice. I want that to stick to the apples. Does it really make a big difference in the grand scheme of things? No, but is it actually delicious? Just by the time you get to the end of it, absolutely. And then I'm going to add in a ounce of apple whiskey. So just, you know, a regular ounce of apple whiskey. If you don't have apple whiskey, you can use regular whiskey or brandy would work really well in this or like a maple bourbon. Uh, There's a lot of different substitutions. I like keeping the apple flavor with the apple whiskey. It is all personal preference. I'm not judging. Then we are going to add in about two to three ounces of our Pinot Grigio. We just want a white wine. You can use more of a dessert type wine, like a Moscato, if you want it a little bit sweeter. I like the Pinot Grigio a little bit drier because it kind of complements with the sugar that we add, as well as just the flavors of the apple. So that is completely up to you. Choose your own adventure. And then we're going to top it off with our sparkling apple cider. This is going to add some bubbles. This is going to add some lift. And it's going to add that wonderful fall apple cider flavor. Um, apple cider and apple juice are not equivalent, so you cannot replace this for apple juice. It is fall, y'all. You can find apple cider somewhere. I believe in you. I know you can do it. And you're going to just give it a quick mix. Take a bar spoon. Take a knife. Take a regular spoon. Whatever you have on hand. Give it a nice little stir, and that is your caramel apple sangria. It is so easy. The caramel's kind of hanging out in the background. The apple's really the forefront. I I love apple, and I love fresh apple. I actually do eat an apple a day to keep the doctor away um, because apples are just delicious, and they have that nice little sweet bite whenever you need it. It's sweet. It's crunchy. It's like potato chips and candy had a baby, but it's actually somewhat good for you. Apples are really the ish. That's, I I should just do a podcast talking about how much I love apples and all the different types of apples. I don't discriminate, but like I said, Honeycrisp is the best. Regardless, that is the cocktail. I hope that you enjoy that cocktail. It is so good. It is so fall. It's like fall in a cup. I really battled between this and another cocktail that I might use in a later episode. So who knows? It might make an appearance. I want to get back into the hosting tips. And I mentioned that this event that I'm hosting coming up is going to be a potluck. And I want to talk about the power of potlucks. Yes, that is such a powerful phrase, the power of potlucks. So essentially, whenever you're hosting something, it is so stressful, especially if you're having a lot, a little bit more people than you expect to actually clean up, clean, get yourself ready, get your house ready or your apartment ready. Also cook all day. Potlucks are great because you don't have to worry about your money being spent as much on food. You don't have to worry about alcohol as much because your guests are going to help supplement that. And you get to experience a variety of different cooking styles and recipes that you may not have been exposed to if 
it hadn't been for that. For example, my friend who is coming to my potluck is bringing a cauliflower casserole, which sounds absolutely delicious. I'm so excited for it. And if I was hosting this brunch, just me and providing all the food, that wouldn't be something I would have thought to make or to bring. And I'm just super excited to see all the different things that my guests are bringing. They're bringing apple fries and apple cider mimosas. The list is honestly endless, and I'm actually getting hungry just thinking about it. But there is so much power in potlucks because it saves you time, it saves you money, and it saves you stress. And we are all about the triple savings in this household and in this podcast. So I just want to make sure that you know that Nobody's judging you if you're doing a potluck. It actually shows that you're taking responsibility for your own self and your own time, and you're taking control of that. I also want to talk about alcohol because, you know, this is a alcohol and recipe podcast, and we already talked about the alcohol. But whenever you're hosting, it can add up. Um, one bottle of wine usually doesn't cut it for multiple people. So I want to tell you about how I find my alcohol for cheap. And I'm going to give away a little bit of my um, deals, but you know, I got to share the wealth at some point. I can't keep all these sales for myself. So one thing I really love doing is getting my alcohol delivered, especially with the current world and coronavirus. I really prefer to get my alcohol delivered to me rather than having to go out to the store and getting distracted and then buying more than I ever really expected to. I much prefer to just open an app, open a website, type in my address, put in my card, and have the alcohol show up at my door. I actually did it today. And the way that I find deals is a lot of places will just have a deal section. I use an app and a delivery service called Drizzly. I think they're great. You get a sign-up bonus if uh, you use a code. I mean, there's plenty of codes on Honey and Retail Me Not. Um, I'm sure you could find one, but you always pretty much have a coupon on Drizzly at some point. Um, they have a coupon called 2020, am I right? <laughs> Which I thought was super funny. And they have that coupon today, and that's why I ended up getting a delivery today. But one, they have a coupon for you to get off your delivery or off your order. But also, they have a deals tab where they take all the liquor stores near you, they Break it down by category, red wine, white wine, spirits, ciders, beers, whatever, you name it. And they'll show you all the deals for all the different stores. So if you're looking for something in particular, for example, I was looking for deals on red wine because I needed to buy a decent quantity of it. I was able to just go into my app, search the deal section, search for red wine, and I ended up finding bottles of wine that were like $10 off. And I bought quite a few of them, so it was one of those things that it worked out so well, and alcohol does not have to be this huge expense. Also, back to the power of potlucks, one thing that people can bring if they don't know how to cook or if they don't like to cook, encourage them to bring a bottle of wine, or even better, encourage them to bring a spirit of some type. Just say, yeah, go pick up a bottle of Jack Daniels. It's like 24 bucks. It would be pretty much the same equivalent as a bottle of wine. Do that. You can encourage your guests to do it. And if you're inviting good quality people, they're more than wanting to help. You find that when you ask for help, people are more willing to help. Funny thing is, I actually wasn't thinking about having this event as a potluck. 
But my one friend, I was talking to her on the phone and she's like, why don't you make it a potluck? You should take some of the stress off yourself. And I hesitated, but I learned that potlucks are so valuable and that it saves you so much time and effort. So you can apply that to your alcohol as well. And I think that's awesome. Another thing I want to talk about is buying in advance. And when I say buying in advance, I mean your groceries, your decor. As soon as you set the date and time for your party, start buying then. Nothing hurts more than seeing your wallet or your bank account after you bought all this stuff for a party. Buying over time, yes. Could you potentially buy more? 100%. But you don't feel the burden of it and you feel like you're putting on the party that you really want. I feel like if we all had unlimited money, unlimited resources, we would be all throwing these extravagant parties and these extravagant balls and brunches and lunches, but we have limited resources and we have limited time. And one thing that I like doing is as soon as I set the date, like I said, buying what I want for that event. And that's what I do. I knew that I was having this event. So I started buying disposable wine glasses because who wants to do dishes for X amount of people? Not me and not my dishwasher. No, sir. No, ma'am. No, my binary friends. You know, I think that there's beauty in buying ahead because you really can figure out where's the good deals, what you're going to do in advance. And also, if you forget an ingredient, you're not running around on the day of the event looking for it. You already have it and you would know because you're buying in advance. And speaking of ingredients, let's talk about the recipe for this episode. So this recipe is very fall inspired and it's actually inspired by my friend Justine because she wants to bring more savory foods into fall and into pumpkin more specifically. And I agree, savory pumpkin for the win. So I want to talk about these amazing pumpkin deviled eggs and my best tip on how to get the perfect peeled eggs for deviled eggs. I use this tip every single time and my eggs always come out perfectly. So let's get into it. So the ingredients we're going to use are 12 eggs, so a dozen eggs. We're going to use some yellow mustard. We're going to use some mayo, pumpkin puree, chives, salt, pepper, paprika, and my little secret ingredient in this is a little bit of relish, um, sweet relish. I know it sounds a little weird, but roll with me. It is, it, it'll work. So let's start by boiling the eggs. We're going to take a big pot of water and we're going to throw it on the stovetop. And we are going to bring that water to a full boil, rolling boil. And slowly but surely, we are going to add in our eggs. Soon as your last egg is added, set a timer for 12 minutes. Let your eggs sit in the water for 12 minutes, the boiling water. And when it gets down to maybe two or three minutes left, start preparing your ice bath. You're going to take a big bowl, fill it with water, and then you're going to add ice to it. And then you're going to take your eggs out once your timer beeps after 12 minutes into the ice bath to stop the cooking. You don't want an overcooked egg. And these yolks will be bright yellow and firm and delicious. I'm telling you, this is the best way. But this isn't my 
tip for peeling it. Yes, the ice bath is super important and it'll be even more vital in this next step. This next step is to take a knife and puncture just a little hole on the top and the bottom just so you get through the membrane and then put it back in the water. I know that sounds so weird. You're sticking a little hole in it, in the top and the bottom, then you're putting it back in the water, but it gets even weirder. So stick with me. So you're going to let it sit in the water for maybe like a minute, and then you're going to take a spoon. I like using a spoon, or you can use a counter. It's completely up to you, and you're going to break the shell, like make little indentations into the shell, and you're going to put it back into the water. So what we're doing is we're allowing water to get between the egg that we want and the membrane. So a lot of times where people go wrong when they're peeling their eggs is that there isn't that separation of the membrane from the egg itself. So when you're pulling the membrane off or when you're attempting to, you're pulling the actual cooked egg off and that's how you get all those kind of janky looking eggs. Yeah, I'm sorry. I called your eggs janky, but they are. So that is how you're going to get your perfect peeled eggs. Now, after letting them sit in the water for another minute, minute and a half, your eggs should be ready to peel. And the shells at this point should really be falling off. They should just be slipping off the egg and into the bowl or into your trash. And then you're going to give them all a rinse. Now we're going to cut them in half. So we're just going to cut them right down the middle. Um, I guess that would be technically hot dog style or hamburger style. Hot dog style. Let's go with hot dog style. Um, yes, I know we're not in elementary school, but you get the gist. I, I, I think that's the best way for us all to understand it. You know, got to use euphemisms from when we were kids in order to relay this information. You're going to set your whites off to the side and you're going to set your yolks in a bowl. Using a fork, nothing fancy, literally just a fork, you're going to mash up the yolks and to that, you're going to add about a tablespoon of yellow mustard. You're going to want to add a fourth a cup of mayonnaise, a fourth a cup of pumpkin puree, an eighth of a cup of relish, and you want to add in a good pinch of salt, a good pinch of pepper, and you're going to save your paprika because it's going to be more so decoration on top. You're going to mix that until it's homogenous and just beautiful and creamy. And then you are going to load that into a piping bag, if you please. At this point, you can just take that spoon and you can scoop the filling into the eggs. But we want this to be a little pretty. So you're going to take a piping bag or a regular Ziploc bag. And then you're going to cut a little snippet off so then you can have a tip go through. Um, I'm going to use a star tip for this, but you can use whatever type of tip you want. Using a star tip, I just make a couple little swirls and beautiful deviled eggs. I'm going to fill up all my eggs, and then once they're all filled, I'm going to sprinkle them with a little bit of paprika and also top it with a little bit of chive. Funny thing is, this is not how I make my usual deviled eggs. My family, we love green olives or Spanish olives in our deviled eggs, so we use the brine for that, and maybe for Thanksgiving, I will ask my grandma for permission if I can leak that recipe on this uh, 
podcast. But for the most part, um, this is a little bit different. We wanted to go a little bit savory. And the funny thing is, everyone associates pumpkin with sweet and kind of like pumpkin spice. But pumpkin pie spice is really where you get that pumpkin spice flavor from. Pumpkin is a vegetable and it should be treated as such. I understand that we like trying to make things that otherwise wouldn't be really good, good by making them sweet. But I think that there should be more savory applications of pumpkin. And this is just one of them. One of them on a very long list of savory applications of pumpkin. Anyways, let's get back into my hosting tips. I have two more tips for you before we depart. And I think these tips are actually super important. So if you have the funds in your budget, get party favors for your guests. You want your guests to remember your event. So even if it's something a little small, like a little name tag or a little mug, you can find party favors for really cheap. One, if you buy in bulk. Or two, if you hit up your local Dollar Store, Dollar Tree honestly has so many great finds for party favors. They're super high quality. Nobody would know that you went to the Dollar Tree. And even if they did, why should they care? They're still walking away with something. I think party favors just make an event just that much more special whenever someone has something tangible to leave. Or one thing that I really love doing is giving people a recipe from the party. So For example, maybe I'll print out the recipe for that pumpkin deviled egg recipe and let my guests leave with that. So then if they want to reciprocate, if they want to, so that if they want to recreate it, they have the recipe on hand and the ability to. It's just a little thing that makes you go the extra mile, but it'll actually make you just that much more memorable and have your event just be that much more successful. It's not riding on your success. It's not going to make or break your event. But I think it's just a little special extra thing that you can do that I'm sure your guests will appreciate. And now on to the final tip. I know we've had a lot of information to process, but I think this one is honestly one of the most important tips, and that is staging everything in advance. I think that if you don't stage everything in advance, you're going to end up being a little bit disappointed actually on the day of the event. So one thing that I like to do is pretend that I'm having the event. I'm not going to put out all the food, but I'll put out the dishware that the food will be in. I'll see how it all works. I'll see if I need layers and levels, if it's all visually stunning to the eye. I'll put out my florals if it's the night before. I want to see how everything's going to look so that I can see my vision come to life before it actually does. When you add the food, it'll be a total game changer. But one thing that I really love doing is just imagining what it's going to look like. And if you put everything out, you may see that something may not work the way that you initially thought it would. And you might have to make an update, but at least you're not making that update when you're stressed getting ready for the event rather than actually making it the night before whenever you have a little bit more clear of a conscience and a little bit more time to prep. Those are my best hosting tips. I have a ton more tips when it comes to hosting. I could probably talk for multiple hours about hosting, but I'm not going to. 
I only want to give out some of my best tips and who knows, maybe there will be a part two to this, but I'm so happy that you stuck with me this long and I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you use these tips in your life. I know we have some holidays coming up. We have Halloween just a couple weeks away, then followed by Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, New Year's, you know, there's a lot going on and I hope that you find this beneficial and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for hanging out with me. Bye. Hope you had a good time. If so, then please subscribe and leave a review. Cause this podcast is new. We drink, we eat, we laugh out loud. My name is Miles. That's all for now.